Welcome to The Inner Room, a study where we review highlights on daily scriptures and focus on the instructions and examples they provide to learn mastery of our emotions, to guide us in our spiritual journey, to learn to pray, worship, and listen to God's will for our lives. Our ways are not God's ways. With Psalm 86, we can say today, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. It's a very hard thing to recognize sometimes that we are walking in the wrong direction. We might have set up on a path and we feel invested. And when we realize that it is the wrong path, we have to turn around. The most beautiful story probably for me in the Bible for this very thing is the story in today's gospel where Jesus in Luke chapter 5 calls Matthew the tax collector with two simple words, follow me. And in hearing that, Levi or Matthew gets up and follows him. In what way did Jesus look at Matthew that he was willing to leave the path in which he was so invested, in which he was doing so well, and now he follows Jesus. He makes a decision to leave his ways behind. If you have seen the movie The Chosen, there's a beautiful chapter where that happens and it's depicted in the most wonderful way. We see a quirky Matthew in cahoots with the Romans trying to get money from his own people to make the Roman Empire successful in their enterprises or on building roads and bridges and keeping the army occupying the Jewish territories. He was, Matthew was hated for his actions, but he was deeply invested he had made a decision and in the movie they show us the human side of the apostles i highly recommend it is so beautifully made it's the chosen is a great tool for evangelization as well it comes through an app on the phone and through that way it is reaching far corners of the world that don't even have television or cable or internet ac access but people that have phones have the ability to connect to this movie in ways that are unique. So it's fanta a fantastic project. They are doing new episodes, and I highly recommend it as a companion to the Bible stories. There is a Jewish rabbi, a Protestant pastor, and a Catholic priest that the authors of this wonderful work of art have used to advise them in the veracity of the character des descriptions that they use. And I particularly love Matthew's because I hope that I can, when I find myself invested in the wrong path, that I can turn as quickly around as Matthew does. And it can be something simple. It doesn't have to leave a job like Matthew does, but it can be simple. Maybe you're finding yourself in the middle of a gossip conversation and you realize, oops, I'm doing it, and you turn around and you don't do it. Maybe you're about to say something negative or a complaint and you realize, oops, 
I will follow you, Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Maybe you are about to say, no, I'm not going to invite that one person. I don't like them. And yet you know that not inviting them would really hurt that person if they feel that they're the only ones excluded from a group of some kind. We can turn around in places where we're very invested when we hear the words, follow me. We make the decision to stand up. It's a word in Latin, in, I'm sorry, in Greek, anastas, which is related to the resurrection. If you have never used the blue letter Bible, it is a wonderful way to look at the words that are so descriptive to understand the, their origin and how they are connected to Latin and Hebrew and understand the nuance of, of the description. Take a look today at the reading from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 58, because we get very specific instructions on how to follow the Lord. First, we get three things that we shouldn't do. We shouldn't oppress anyone around us. We, su we shouldn't accuse falsely anyone around us. And we should not use malicious speech. Look at the importance of governing our tongue. I've been thinking, meditating, pondering about that for myself. And then Isaiah tells us some things to do. Give bread to the hungry, satisfy the afflicted. So what happens when we stop doing certain things that are very clearly identified and start using our energy in ways that are aligned with God's ways? Well, the light shall rise from you in the darkness and the gloom shall become for you like midday. Then the Lord will guide us always and give us plenty, even on parched land. He will renew our strength and we will be like a watered garden, like a spring whose water never falls, never fails. If we hold our foot on the Sabbath, another instruction for our using our Sunday day of rest, for anybody that can actually do this, if you are not in an ear position or in a police environment or in a place where you have to work for the public safety or the good of, of the common good, then our job is not to pursue our own things on God's holy day, but to call the Sabbath our delight and to honor the day of the Lord following God's ways, not our ways. What happens if we actually honor the third commandment that God gives us to, to remember to make the day holy, Sunday holy? Then we can delight in the Lord and he will make us ride on the heights of the earth and nourish us with the heritage of ancestors of, of Jacob. And this is done in the authority of God. So let us go to the throne and say, Father, answer us, for your mercy is kind. Almighty, ever-living God, look with compassion on our weakness and ensure us your protection by stretching forth the right hand of your majesty, that nourished with the gift of your word, we may remain in you, Father. Teach us your ways. And we ask this 
In the name of Jesus, Amen. Hello, this is Sofia Fonseca de Niño and I welcome you to This Inner Room. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram under The Inner Room, Emotions in the Bible. And we would love to hear your questions, your ideas or your comments. Thank you for joining us today. We want to reflect today on the structure of the covenants in the history of salvation using the readings that we have. The first reading is from Genesis 9, and it tells us the story of Noah. And this story from the Gospel is from the first chapter of Mark, where Jesus declares that his time has been fulfilled to begin his mission right after he comes of the 40 days in the desert fasting. We have to love how succinct Mark is. We are seeing verses 12 through 15. That means we are right at the beginning of his gospel writing. Unlike some of the other stories, Mark begins right with John the Baptist in the desert. And his writing is very Spartan. In today's description of Jesus' time in the desert, he says this, The Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert, and he remained in the desert for 40 days, tempted by Satan. In other readings of the Gospel, we see the details of Jesus' fight with the devil and actual use of Scripture that he uses in that fight. But Mark doesn't give us that detail. He simply says he was among the beasts, the wild beasts, and the angels minister to him. There's a lot of richness in that imagery. We see Jesus as this link between the wildness of the world and the heavenly realm. He comes to reconcile both in this tension that will be the, the driving force of us in our humanity, driven by our passions in the world and aspiring to spiritual, angelic, divine alignment. And Jesus shows us the way by going in the desert and fasting. There is a beautiful meditation today in the Magnificat from Saint Maximus of Turin in the 5th century. He writes a beautiful meditation on the connection between Adam and his fall and Jesus, both of them in a garden very different gardens. He tells us that Adam's gluttony, his desire for the apple that he couldn't contain with his wife, driving him to eat from it and he acquiescing, being countered by Jesus's fasting in the desert and how that self-control, that self-discipline that the Lord invites us to during the Lenten season is the invitation that we have to leave the things from the world that tie us down to ways that are not the Lord's ways so that we can align ourselves. I wanted to mention in the covenant structure of our salvation, there are then several covenants that God makes with humanity. The first one is with Adam. 
and he makes a covenant that has to do with a holy couple, man and wife, and they shall join together. He makes that first covenant to that spousal union. That reading from today in the Old Testament comes from Genesis 9, and it's Noah's struggle with the storm and the flood. And that's the second covenant that God makes. And this is a covenant with a holy family, a family that is willing to align itself with the ways of the Lord and is saved from devastation. And God makes the covenant of the rainbow saying, I will not send a flood that will destroy the, the world. The next covenant is Abraham's covenant. And that is with a holy tribe. And it has three, three parts. The first one, God promises land in Genesis 15. The second, God promises a kingdom in Genesis 17. And the third, God promises worldwide blessing in Genesis 22. 15, 17, and 22 verses, uh, chapters in the Bible. And how are these promises fulfilled? The first one is in the next covenant, where we go from holy couple in Adam, to holy family in Noah, to holy tribe in Adam. And now we have a holy nation with Moses. In the book of Exodus, that is the promise that gets fulfilled from Abraham. The next one about a kingdom is fulfilled with David. David gets the kingdom, and that story is told in second book of Samuel 7. And the third promise is fulfilled in the covenant of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is told in Mark 14. This is an important structure to understand also why we fast for 40 days, why Lent lasts for 40 days. 40 is a very important number in the Bible. Let us dive a little deeper into the perfection that it implies and why it's used so much in the Bible.